Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critic Podcast, um, where in the last week we have probably failed more than ever. Hey. <laughs> nice. Truly living up to our name for one reason or another. I'm Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. And James, do you want to tell everyone what's going on this week? on the podcast it's a bit different to usual yes um first up i'd had my hopes pinned on reviewing the master for this week and it was only when i realized that it's november 2nd release date referred to an exclusive west end one one cinema uh, for until about the 18th, I think, of November. And because none of us have got the money and influence to get down to London to all watch it, we've had to scrap that. We'll, we'll, we'll give you our master review when it finally gets released nationwide. Bastards. Um, so this week, uh, also because we've been a combination of ill, busy at work. This is mostly me as well. Uh, and organizing four family birthday parties for one day. That was yesterday. That's why I'm pretty fragile today um yeah what we're going to do is we're still going to tell everyone what we've been watching this week if we've had time to watch anything this week but we're also going to react to some very very big movie news and i think it's only fair and right you get the full failed critics experience of finding out what we think about a certain acquisition um made earlier this week which i'll let steve introduce probably in a minute and also we're going to be going all uh and robinson on your asses and uh doing some watchdog styly exposés stroke praise who knows of certain cinema chains that we frequent and you get a little bit of a, an insight into the work of what we'll do about critics and i've just rambled on long enough yeah basically if you live in a town where you're lucky enough to have more than one big cinema chain this will give you an idea of how much what you know how much they're charging and what they offer their customers, so you can make a better informed choice on where to go and watch a film because money's tight and films are expensive. <laughs> Far more succinctly than I said it's there, well there we are. Um, so, shall we just jump straight in then and talk about the news that George Lucas has sold Star Wars to Disney for $4 billion? Wow. And it's not just start. Let's let's be clear. He sold Lucasfilm, yeah, um, including Industrial Light and Magic. Um, Disney now on uh, Monkey Island. Yes, they own Grim Fandango, the awesome computer game from a long, long time back. Um, They own Indiana Jones. 
but apparently that's a bit more yeah, complicated. That, that's because... something else we can discuss on mm. whether or not we're worried. But obviously the big thing is that they now own the complete rights to the Star Wars universe and everything that goes with it. I found it really interesting. I didn't realise George Lucas basically owned 100% of Lucasfilm. Yeah, he um, never had to like issue shares or anything like that. That's quite incredible. Before Before we carry on, because I imagine we could spend a lot of time slagging off George Lucas here, I'd just like to say that he intends to give the vast majority, if not all of this four billion, to education and charities and various charities. Yeah. One of his one of his um um, spokes one of his spokespeople have said. So before we he's he's got enough already to be fair. Yeah. He's he's done a he's already got he's already done loads for charity with his um with his money. He also spent ages, what was it? He was trying to expand Skywalker Ranch and um, all the neighbours kept saying no, no. They kept putting down everything he wanted to do with his studios. So he's turned it over to um, housing for um, families on low incomes just to really annoy all the residents. Man of the people. Which I think is even more brilliant. I genuinely think he seems like a nice bloke. Uh, whatever we think of his creative choice over the years, and I'm sure we'll, this will come up in our discussion about this, I do think that he is just someone who loves movies. And if there's any problem with George Lucas, it's the fact that he became so rich and powerful. No one said no to any of his stupid ideas. Mm. I don't think he's ever done anything out of malice and greed. I, I think he, I honestly think he comes from a place of enthusiasm and just wanting to make stories. And he That's think, where he, I'm he, going to start from. And he genuinely thinks that he was doing the best for Star Wars, even though yes, he wasn't. I honestly think that. Yeah. I honestly think that he thinks that Jar Jar Binks well, let's let's just go there straight away. Um, but I I don't think he he didn't create that uh, merchandising marketing cash cow. He thought that character would resonate with what he sees as his but target audience. He, he saw it as comic relief for kids. Well, yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. the original films had that with R2D2 and C3PO. Yeah. So it's nothing new. It's nothing that he hasn't tried before. It's just that the two droids, shit. yeah, the two droids were, were brilliant, and Jar Jar Binks was a yeah. bumbling oath who was just quite frankly embarrassing. Well, I mean, I think what we're touching on as well is the main problem and the issue that's arisen from from the acquisition is that Disney have immediately announced a plan to release three more films. I think we need yeah. to get at, that out there. At, yes. at yeah. least, um, they're, they're going. They said they're going to expand the Star Wars universe. What sounds like indefinitely. Yeah. So. Yeah, they said they've definitely got plans for the next three, but which I assume have been going on since... Because these negotiations won't have taken, like, a couple of weeks. No. They? It's but, not like they bumped into George Lucas in a restaurant and but, said, four billion? And he went, all right, then. You know, but, so they've obviously been planning, well, okay, once this deal's done, we'll have three. But it was quite interesting. I think um, in their statement, it said a, a new film every two years, and it didn't hmm. say... Uh, the next, you know, they'll be in this year, this year, this year. It was like, right, Star Wars film, starting with episode seven in this year and a new film every two years mm. after that. But pe- people and I, just... I get the impression that they see it as like a lot more far longer term franchise than just another three no, films. Well, yeah, but you can go into games, you can go into TV programs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go, but, well, I mean, and, they've and, taken and... on the rights of all of the other Star Wars mm. related stuff, so like the Clone Wars TV series, mm-hmm. I don't know whether you yeah. ever saw that. That was awful. But, Disney have got quite a good record of creating good sort of cartoon series, so if nothing else, 
there's going to be other things around the film that should improve as well. If you're a fan of the series, which I'm not particularly, as we've discussed many times. And, and um, people assume that it's going to follow on the story of the, the characters from Return of the Jedi. But well, well, that's what they said, isn't it? They they said it's going to it's going to kick off. No, but I mean, I mean, once you've done seven, eight, and nine, if you're planning on doing a film every two years. You don't have to stick with that in the end. There's so it's it's a big universe, literally no, and metaphorically. Go out like books, you know, there's all books and, mm-hmm. and there's an extra universe that people are creating. Um, I think it's going to end up going that way, and, and you know they're going to be doing a re- real array of things. But uh, it horrifies me. I'm not going to lie. Well, <laughs> if if George Lucas was still in charge of doing them, I'd be concerned. I'd be worried. I'd still go and see them, but I'd, I'd be very worried because I've done this many times on many places and read out the opening crawl from A New Hope and yeah. compared it yeah. to The Phantom Menace. And yeah. A New Hope, it's like Death Star, Stolen Plans, Sith Lord, Princess Captured, and Phantom Menace is Trade Blockade, Tax Evasion, not Dip- even as exciting as tax evasion. Yeah. Diplomatic. <laughs> Dip- no, it's like tax of goods or something. Yeah. <laughs> Trade dispute, blockade, tax. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, yeah. Lots yeah. of parliament. Lots of, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think, well, I think it's safe to say they won't go down that route, though. I think, if anything, it'll be more childish. Do you know what I mean? They're going to they're gonna remove even even things like taxes cause, because I think Disney are going to market this at kids, aren't they? Let's, let's be fair. I don't. I don't. I don't know if they will though. I, I'm again. I'm going. I know. I'm using probably. I'm only using one example here, but it is a very recent and I think a very relevant example. And that is Disney bought Marvel. Disney gave us the Avengers. They didn't. Don't they? And what they did is they actually took a very left field director and writer, gave him two hundred million and let him make the film that he wanted to make. We don't know quite how much the studio were involved in uh, in decisions, because in this country we were denied the uh, Joss Whedon commentary on the Blu-ray, which was, that was annoying. Um, but that was Disney taking a chance and producing a very good product. And I think if, you know, people, I think Disney can make that decision again. Uh, and I think the most important thing Disney do is get the right writer and director, whatever the, whatever direction they want to take it in, you know, either continuing the story, continuing the saga, so bit, or if it is an expanded universe type view and we look at completely different sets of characters who take place with themselves, whatever they do, if they get the director and writer right, then then I think it's going to be good because mm. there are so many filmmakers who got into filmmaking because of Star Wars. But it's not, it's there not just must be, there must be so many people desperate to do this. But didn't, and, and, and it must be the most sought after job in Hollywood right now. Someone said, right, there's new Star Wars stuff and George Lucas isn't going to be writing and directing it. There are right. There are specs scripts being written now. There are people pitching for this job. Disney, this is the most important decision Disney make on this, is who they actually get to write and direct it. And please don't say you want Joss Whedon to do it. I, I, leave I him like, with Marvel. Just leave him alone. Then get on with making the Marvel films and the Avengers films. He would be kind of perfect, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I don't want him to move off the Avengers at the minute. I, I can just imagine... Uh, yeah, no, I, no. I'm, 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 <laughs> 
to but if it if it wasn't going to be Joss Whedon, who 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 would you want involved? Jeffrey, uh, who would you want involved to stop it being uh, Disneyfied and childish? I really don't know. This is the thing. It's I think my instinctive reaction to the whole thing is just just leave it alone. It doesn't it doesn't need to be continued. <laughs> that's not what you, that's not what you were asked. Pardon? That's not what you were asked. No, <laughs> Answer no, the question. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I find it very difficult to have a, a vision of how I would like it to be because I don't. Do you know what I mean? I don't want it to be created. I think there's been early talk like people calling for Chris Nolan to do it. Can you imagine? I I, I don't uh, think that would work. You know, but apparently, apparently, it's partly because he's a, a massive Star Wars fan. A lot of people are, yeah. are linking certain writers and directors to the new Star Wars films because they're Star Wars fans, regardless of what kind of films they make. Mm. Yeah, well, which I think is fair enough. I mean, not not everyone, not every director can be pigeonholed into a certain category. Anyway, I mean, you get people crossing over for different genres all the time, and they and sometimes work, don't they? I mean. It's tricky trying to pin someone down who would want to do Star Wars. I think once you've done Star Wars, you're going to be just, unless you're like Spielberg, unless you've got Spielberg mm. in to do it, they're just going to be seen as the director who does Star Wars. And if you get it wrong, you're going to be you... seen as a director who gets Star Wars wrong. Yeah, it's exactly. a bit of a double-edged sword, I think. I think they're going to actually have some difficulty getting people to take it on because there's going to be so much pressure attached to oh, it. I don't think they'll have any trouble getting people to take it on. I think there'll be many people well up for it. Yeah, but I mean, getting the right people on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, even like Sam Mendes doing Bond, that was, he, he was reluctant to do that because he knew yeah. the sort of the pressure that was involved. And I think it's going to yeah. be a similar kind of thing because you think about how many Star Wars fanboys and how demanding they are going to be. Which it's is going to be, I actually um, think the writer is he probably even more key than the director here. Where Star Wars has failed miserably. In the in the most recent installments, has been poor story and poor dialogue. Mm. The film George Lucas, although you know it wasn't dynamically uh, shot, you know they weren't made. The fact is, it still looked like uh, a well put together sci fi film. There was some decent effect. and the fact is, we're not looking for particularly amazing direction necessarily. Um, if there is engaging characters, because Star Wars has never been directed brilliantly. But we, you know, the early ones, we believed in the characters and it was a classic story uh, and it had a it had a charm to it, uh, which I don't think the prequels had. And the prequels had far too complicated a story, which was also boring. <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> thing about it. It was a boring, complicated story and you can't be both of those. Um, and yeah, I think they need to get the pacing right as well. I think that's, that was one of the main issues they, with but, the... Right, so they said that 7, 8 and 9 are going to be a continuation leading off from Return of the Jedi. So how do they do this? They do this with the original actors, you know, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, all reprising their roles and just doddering around as old people playing the roles. Um, Or or do they they give them cameos and say, right, we'll do it about Luke Skywalker's and Han Solo's kids, but... They'll, they, they, you know, they'll have cameos in it or smaller roles in it. They'll be there, but they won't be flying I'd spaceships and that stuff. Approach. And then, I'd, I'd prefer, and then you can, yeah, in um, Star Trek, I think it would be great. And the, and do you know what you would get? You would get your audiences in purely if Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill were there for a minute. Uh, to be fair, mm. Mark Hamill probably 
be well up for doing a lot more than that. Mm. You know, he can't get he's, he's, money he's, these days. He cannot believe his luck. You know, you know, Skywalker was he yeah. the last Jedi? I mean, there weren't any more Jedi's after Skywalker. Well, if you if you read, because they've done what they call an expanded universe, which I suppose they've got in many other kind of. I suppose, yeah. you know, Star Trek and Doctor Who have got it yeah, as well. Yeah. So many, loads of people that some of them with the blessing of Lucas and some of them without it have written books and some of them are considered canon and some of them aren't and some of them get rewritten and the canon gets rewritten when mm-hmm. George Lucas decides to make something new. And so there's, there's, there's stuff there and they killed off Chewbacca, which I just furious about. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, and Lucas won't, he won't allow anyone to kill off any of his characters yeah. as well in books. Yeah. So I mean, and he won't let them kill off the major ones. And Chewbacca mm-hmm. was like the most major one that they could kill off. Yeah, but you know, he, but the Marvel of the Jedi's then. So yeah, they, they can in the, the yeah the because well because in watch. if you think about it, there's still going to be people who are born who could be Jedi's after you know. Yeah, but there wasn't. Yeah, any, yeah, you could you could come up in, with a convenient in, enough in this ex, in this expanded universe as well. There's some Jedi that didn't get killed by the Emperor because they either went into hiding and they weren't found or they were inactive. Or whatever, because I suppose some Jedi weren't doing military stuff when the Emperor decided to kill them all. So they didn't have a load and of they soldiers all just around. Sat on their ass and left Skywalker to do it on his well, own. No, some of them didn't. Lazy. Some some of them didn't. Some of them did. Some of them were rubbish. So I've not read any of these books since I was about fourteen. So okay. Um, but yeah, they are there. Um, all right. So they might they might choose to take something from that because Luke Skywalker has kids and becomes like. Emperor Jedi, not the Emperor, okay. but like he becomes. Does, does the old Empire try and continue? Does the yeah. Sith Lords continue? And not like yeah, that? there's, there's Sith. I've, all there's... I've ever done is watch the films. I've never really played the games apart from a couple of Tie Fighter games. With mm. you know, there's been no story. Uh, there's no, but, but I know people go crazy for Knights of the Old Republic mm. and say that that's, that gives you a really good chance to maybe do a lot of pre prequel prequel stuff before mm, the terrible prequels. Knights of the Old Republic set like thousands of years, thousands before, of years it, before the prequels yeah but there's 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 so many books that come afterwards going right mm. up to comics of descendants of Luke Skywalker's sons I've never read I've hardly read any of this stuff and I haven't read it for like 10 12 years I was going to say, I think I read one ten mm. years ago, and I'm vaguely aware of it, but it's there. But, you know, it, they, it would be an interesting direction for them to go in, though. Mm, I think they, that's what we... But essentially, they could take those as a loose plot outline, or they could just say, no, we're going to ignore all those books that people have written, and we're going to just do what we want with it. And like I said, they could just say, right, we're going to go on now with the kids of Luke Skywalker and the kids of um, Han and Leia, and then, but their parents are obviously influential people, so they're going to be, like, in charge of different organisations like Princess Leia will be in charge of the, the Senate and Luke Skywalker will be in charge of all the Jedi so they're still going to be there, they're still going to be in the background but because of their age it would be look stupid if they were flying around spaceships and, and sure. Would you be happy if they decided then to say we're not going to do three um, sequels in the sense that they'll be continuing trilogies but if they did three standalone films that were set within that universe so you use different characters in each film. It's not just a, a new trilogy. Okay, yeah, I see what you mean. A bit like how in the Marvel universe at the moment, like, yeah, 
Iron yeah, Man so they could get three in the same exactly, universe yeah. as Hulk, but they're completely you could have, separate films. Yeah, you could have different directors, different writers for each film, so it's not you're not just tied into watching three of the same things. And then and I guess, all together with yeah. Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they've got plenty of talent to choose from. Even if they yeah. brought someone over from Pixar, you know, Brad Bird, who's done Iron Giant and Incredibles or something, just uh, bring. He did a very good job, I thought, on Mission Impossible Four, actually. I thought Mission Impossible 4 was a very well-directed action film. Yeah, I mean, why not get someone like that in? You know, they could stretch from not just picking, like, just well not. Yeah, just not um, Stanton, who who went from Pixar to make John Carter of Mars. But yeah. that, that's the worry here, is Disney can still make John Carter this, of yeah, Mars style mistakes. Is, is it's sort of extremes, isn't it? You've got Avengers on one hand and, yeah. and John Carter and, on the other, and, they're you know, they're within the same year. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the same budget and vastly different. Which, but I hope that Disney went. Oh, hang on, but the the one that we thought was a nice safe bet that that's the one that co- that's actually cost us money. Whereas the one that was okay, let's get let's get Joss Went the guy who did Buffy and hasn't made a film for ten years or something like that. Let's get him to do that one. Oh, that's the one that's made us nearly two billion dollars, right? Okay, they'll really be careful <laughs> with Star Wars though what they do with it because. They've spent four billion on it. If they do it right, they've they've doubled their money. They're in profit. If they do it wrong, they've thrown four million down the drain. Yeah, imagine, imagine they, killing the goose. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> it, it's it's on its last legs now. After what George Lucas done with it, imagine what happens if Disney bring out a film worse than the Phantom Menace, which is possible oh, yeah, to be done John Carter of Mars, and we, and then everyone just goes, "Well, that's it. Why why bother with anything more won't. Star Wars?" I, I, I honestly think they, and sometimes I have got too much implicit trust in these people that I always think, well, they must know what they're doing if they've got where they are kind of thing. Uh, and sometimes that fails horribly, that kind of logic, sadly. Um, but I, I can't help thinking, okay, Disney have got where they are. It's been quite interesting because I've been watching loads of Disney films recently anyway, because my daughter's really into uh, uh, Disney films. Um, and it has made me realize that they they have got incredible. Well, they did have incredible quality control, and I think sometimes we do forget that the reason Disney have been around as long as they have and are a business is they do know what people want, and they make good films more often than they make bad films. Also, as a final point, let's let's end on a positive. This now means that George Lucas cannot interfere with well, the original films no, any further. That's true, but he is still a creative consultant. Yeah, but I he's don't... not going to be able to like re-release new versions. No. Yeah, and there's great. the possibility you never know um, that Disney might release the original theatrical versions on Blu-ray, which would yeah. be which would be the ideal scenario. That would, do you know what? That would be the first thing. if if they want to get people on like, side, get yeah. people side, appease nervous fans and things. Um, just release the original three. Um, original theatrical versions on Blu-ray because I refuse to upgrade to the Blu-rays at the moment because I've got DVD original theatrical versions and I think well all I want is a be- is a high quality version of that I don't want don't want the, all the messy 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 around ones so yeah that that would be a really good first move from Disney and they, I think even Jerry would start to soften a little bit then but as as well as the films they've also Disney have also brought Industrial Light and Magic and Lucasfilm mm-hmm. now weren't Maybe not under the direction of George Lucas, but I don't know how hands-on he was with these, but weren't they quite revolutionary in filmmaking? Yeah, uh, hugely. Um, 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, George Lucas, because he, he tarnished so much of his legacy with either messing around with classic films or doing very bad follow-up films, and I'm including Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in that as well. Um, but Industrial Light and Magic it, has worked wonders in the industry. It's done fantastic work, and it's the same. Uh, is it THX? Yeah. Uh, the yeah. same as well What come, came from. And it's not saying he came up with the idea, but he put the right people in the right place, um, and he made it happen. And again, I still, I'm still astounded. He owned 100% of Lucasfilm. So I I think he was very much, he knew what was going on in every single area mm. of the, of his empire. Well, wasn't part of the reason that he, he made so much money off of Star Wars and perhaps the actors as well was that the studio never expected Star Wars to do so well. So Lucas and the actors retained some of the image rights and merchandising rights. Yeah, they got caught with the merch and stuff. Yeah. And then when, when Star Wars went massive the stu- and the studios were proved wrong, Lucas and all the actors were just minted because of all the merchandise that was bought out with the monet figures and Which toys. Goes and... To show. He's, he's a smart man. Mm. And, and he's got, he's got the courage of his beliefs. And again, that's from reading interviews from people who've worked with him and stuff. The problem is he doesn't, he can't work out his bad ideas from his good ideas. Mm. And if people don't point out to him what his bad ideas yeah. are, and I think that's what happened. It, it, it seems like in the original trilogy, he didn't have a group of spineless yes-men surrounding him. Mm. And he had people yeah. who'd stand up to him and go, George, that's a terrible idea. And, and also, it's like in music, you, you make, most bands make the best albums, first two or three albums, and then after that, they're just repeating old ideas. And I think first three, the first two or three films that he made, including Star Wars and that, he was full of good ideas with the odd bad one. But as you get older it gets more difficult to come up with something new and original and and the balance shifts and eventually it becomes loads of bad ideas with the odd good one. Speaking of, of things that need the bad bits pointing out to them because they just have no idea, cinemas. Let's 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 go on to how bad <laughs> 3D is. Right. 3D. <laughs> 3D. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's all riled up. <laughs> Uh, I'm not in the mood for any of this George Lucas nonsense. Okay. <laughs> Stop interfering with my films, you shit. They're his films. Without him, you wouldn't have them. I know. Oh, no, I am grateful for that, but there you go. <laughs> right. Yes, let's move on to our Watchdog segment. Um, and, right, let's start then. James, which cinema do you frequent the most? The most, uh, out of a chain. Uh, I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say my... quickly, we didn't include sort of art house and yeah, independent cinemas in, in Leicester, this. For example, can go to the, uh, the Phoenix Arts Centre, yeah. which is a lovely, lovely cinema. Uh, I'll speak very highly of it. And they've got a fantastic Day of the Undead coming up with six zombie films in a row, which I'm going to yeah. go and see shortly. So that's, that's yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's the kind of wonderful place you can get yeah. from your local arts cinema. So always check them out. But yeah, the I've got a few choices in Leicester. I've got an Odeon. There is also a View. Um, but the one I use, because we haven't got a City World, which still bugs me to this day. <laughs> I'm sure Owen's going to talk about how amazing the City World Unlimited card is. Um, but I'm going to talk about Showcase. Uh, have any of you ever? Have any of you got a Showcase near you at all? Well, um, I don't know. If it, I don't know what the one in Weymouth is. I've been there. It's quite good. But I don't know what it is. 
Yeah, this, um, they've got about 20 to 20. It's a small chain. Mm. Um, but it's, it, it's quite a, it's a modern chain. I, I go to one which is a cinema deluxe as well. It's one of their deluxe range of cinemas. I'm not quite sure what the difference between mine is and a normal showcase, except that I think they don't have some of the extra screening rooms and stuff that we've got. Is deluxe. it the price? <laughs> no, the price is the same. Well, actually, and it's quite reasonable. I'll uh, start off by questioning you with my list of okay, cinema price-related questions. What is the price okay. of a standard screening at? Okay, standard screening. There's kind of peak and off peak. I think most cinemas have that these days. Kind of uh, Monday to Thursday during the day is generally off peak, and that is six pound fifty at Showcase, um, which rises to eight pound twenty. Um, at a weekend, uh, most evenings. Actually, Although, how, actually, I was going to say, how I'll do this then is I'll ask everyone the question for their chain, yeah, in order so we can get a quick comparison okay, yeah. of each thing. So yeah, try so six fifty going to eight twenty. Yeah, although they've got a free card which you can sign up for in the foyer. Um, it's called the Insider Card, and that means if with that card all day Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Even at night, you can get tickets for a fiver, which is very good. Um, and but they also have something called the director's lounge. Oh, it's nice in there. Um, <laughs> leather seats, individual leather seats uh, that recline. I've got a little tray, like wooden tray, which you can fold round over, which is really good for me with my notebook. Um, so that's nice. They've got table service and a bar, and you can. On your way in, order your drinks, and then they'll come and bring your drinks in and everything like that. Um, that's that's thirteen pound thirty if you go on an evening or a weekend, or nine pound sixty if you go midweek. But with the insider card, it's eight pound ten for that experience on a on a Sunday or Monday or a Tuesday, which is very nice. Um, very modern screen. Oh, sorry, Steve. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you ask me the rest of the questions. That's all my price ones in terms of tickets, though. So, yeah, basically. What was it six fifty showcase for a normal screening? For, that's off peak. Off peak. Eight twenty on peak. How about three yeah. D? Um, three D is an extra two pound approximately. I think it is, and they sell glasses for a pound, which you can keep. Right. Um, I go to Empire Cinemas in well, one I go to is Tower Park Pool. There's not many around the country. There's probably not even twenty like showcase, but it's six fifty for. Uh, off peak standard screening, uh, eight pound for like evenings and weekends. Yeah, all 20, <laughs> big 20 feet cheaper. Only 150 extra for 3D. Uh, that's not bad going. Just a one, just a 150. I go see 3D. <laughs> just a 150 top up, regardless of the time or, you know, off peak, on peak. Pound for glasses, but you can keep them. Um, Oh, in which cinema chain do you frequent and how much do they charge for standard and 3D screenings? Okay, I'll try and keep it brief because I'm going to just mention the unlimited card because it does tie into the, the cost of like tickets and stuff. Mm. But um, a standard adult ticket uh, before 5pm is £7.40. What's this, Cineworld? At Cineworld, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's quite steep, I think. Um, I wonder people get the card. <laughs> <laughs> But I think what's quite good about Cineworld is if you book it online, and this is what I was doing before I had the unlimited card, you get 10% off. So there's no like booking fees. I know some places charge you more to book online. So you do save a bit of money booking online. Um, And it's an extra £2.10 for a 3D screening, uh, minus 10% if you book it online. 
and they didn't concessions to students and old people and stuff. But um, yeah, I have an unlimited card, which is basically a little plastic miracle because I pay £15 a month uh, and it ties you in for a 12-month contract, but you have to pay £15 a month. And it gives you a nice little photo ID card, which you then go up to the kiosk, they swipe you in for a film, and then that's it. You don't, don't pay any extra money. You don't have to... Um, well, you have to pay an extra £1.50 for 3D screenings. That's kind of the only drawback with it, and that you can't pre-book with an unlimited card. But it means you can go and see as many 2D films as you like for no extra cost. It's just that £15 a month, and that's it, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, I go to see film once, maybe twice a week, and it's just such a, a, a bargain, I think. I mean, still, I mean, yeah, 15 quid is like, what, what's that? I mean, it's like the cost of a, a new Blu-ray, isn't it? Yeah. For the cost of a new Blu-ray, you can go and see as many new films in a cinema as you want. I think it's or just... the cost of a cheap gym. I'll have a charge mm. well, we do. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd rather go to the uh, cinema. Anyway. Yeah. Um... <laughs> okay, well, there was there was a question about that later, but anyway, you've answered that now. Jerry, yeah. um, where do you go to the cinema? Odeon. Odeon in Warrington is yeah. the only one available. Um, I do prefer the Cineworld. It's in St. Owens, but it's a bit of a trek. Um, it's, they have a thing on Tuesdays. They have cheap tickets, which are £5.20, I think. I think off the top of my head, they, I've never really used the Tuesday thing, and it's uh, it's not that it's not that great, it's not that popular. Um, then there's off peak, which is six pound fifty, which seems to be a common thing, and a normal peak ticket is eight pound ten, and it's an extra two pounds for three D, extra pound for glasses, and you can upgrade to premier seats for an extra one pound sixty. Have you got a Premier Points card there as well? Because I've got, because I have to go to the OG sometimes. Have you got yeah. one of those cards? Yeah. Yeah. It takes ages to useful. save up for a free film. <laughs> yeah, they're quite useful, and and sometimes you know I've got like the odd uh, free popcorn out of it, so it is worthwhile getting that. But I think that's one of your later questions, isn't it, Steve? Do you want me to just talk about that now? Uh, no, we'll come on to that later because that works, so we can compare them all. So the prices are pretty much the same for a standard one across the board, about six fifty. Um, but charges for, for going into the, like an evening or a weekend or 3D. Empire seems to be the cheapest and then slowly going up to Cineworld, but they do their. Well, uh, Cineworld, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned after 5pm and sort of on weekends it's £8.60. Yeah. Which Ooh. is the most Ooh. expensive of the lot. Yeah. So, yes. But they have got their loyal, their unlimited card, which is, which is excellent, but their prices yeah. are more expensive if you haven't got that. Um, Empire seems to be the best. What about... There's about 76 Cineworlds in the UK as well, though, so I don't know how many there are of others, but I imagine because Cineworld's like everywhere, except the cities where you guys are, um, <laughs> it might account for why it's so expensive. So what extras do these cinemas provide? Um, Jerry, because you've got to go, you can start us off with these ones. Uh, what are the staff like, what are the facilities like, and what kind of little extras do they offer? That Odeon. Um, there's the Premier card, which we've touched upon, which gives you points. It takes a long time to accumulate free films and free popcorn. So it's not the greatest um, loyalty scheme. You can book online, I believe, um, using your Premier card. You get 50% off if you book in advance. But it's not actually 15% off because you have to pay a holding. Uh, a, a, a I don't know. <laughs> you probably um, save about 10 p yeah, you, you don't end up saving anywhere near as, as, as much as you think you did. <laughs> um, 
but there's that. The, the staff are rubbish. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely rubbish. You always have to queue for ages to get tickets. You always have to queue for ages to get. Actually, the people on the refreshments aren't as bad. They're a bit quicker. There's usually only ever one person doing tickets, so you just get a big backlog of the queue. Um, they're, they're generally friendly enough when you actually get to talk to them, but it's just in terms of you know the waiting times and all that kind of thing. Um, facilities are all right. They're not the best screens. Some of them are, are bigger than others. One or two of them are, are pretty small, but there's one or two that are massive as well. So it's a bit hit and miss. Depends on where you are. Um, overall, it's, it's not it's not the best cinema by any means. To be fair, um, it, it's not great, great value for money. <laughs> so basically, Odeon crap. <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, for joining us, Jerry. We'll uh, speak to you next week. Okay, thank right. you. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, right, well, Empire, they actually do quite a little bit extra. Firstly, the staff are generally pretty good, polite, helpful, friendly, um, efficient. The facilities are pretty good. Well, I tweeted them about squeaky seats. They whipped round the WD-40, not had a problem since, so they listened to their customers on Twitter. So, um, But, yeah, they've got... Uh, I haven't got a loyalty card. You can buy like a, you know, a gift voucher essentially. You can buy a film card with a certain amount of money on it and have it for yourself. I don't know why you'd want to because it doesn't make the film. <laughs> I don't know what it doesn't make the films any cheaper by having it. Or you can give it to a friend or family member for Christmas or something and and you know as a, as a present. No, I, I like the idea of just buying it for myself, Steve. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I know what I'm getting myself for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's got Saver Tuesdays, which is just four fifty for any screening on a Tuesday. Um, so that's a nice little incentive if you like to go on a Tuesday. And they've got the usual things. They've got parent and baby class. They've got Empire Arts, which shows different kind of arty films that I'll never ever go and see. <laughs> but it's it is, but it's there for people who want to go and see it. They've got um, the, the type of people who might maybe contribute to a, a film podcast or something like that. Steve, do you think would they be? <laughs> they, they might do, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you go to their website or you go into the cinema, you can get a leaflet, or you can download all their leaflets um, from their website. But yeah, there's Empire Arts, which have arty films. Um, they do, par- yeah, like I said, the usual parent and baby classes. They do family films on a Saturday, both new and old, at a discounted price. Um, which is also tied in with Lego somehow. I don't know if you get some free Lego. You might do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and one that James would bloody love, Empire Seniors. Oh, we'll <laughs> get a cup of tea. Every, hang on, not just a cup of tea. Every Wednesday, a selection of some of the best recent and classic films. I don't know if you can have recent classics, but there you go. Um, yes, every Wednesday, all tickets free pound. Price includes, this is sponsored by PG, price includes tea or coffee and, and James, biscuit. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm all over that in my <laughs> old gouty way. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. So, yeah, and on their website they have a news ticker at the top going through all different um, movie news, which is quite good actually, and different competitions and all that you can sign up for. Um, yeah, generally... Although they don't offer like a discount card or a loyalty card, it's something they're apparently looking into. Um, their facilities and little extras like you know mother and baby and arts are, are all quite good. Um, yeah. So yeah, 
Show- okay, positive. Showcase then, James. Yeah, like I think when I was talking about the prices, I mentioned the Insider card, uh, which is their big kind of discount and membership scheme, and it's their way of giving people extras. So not only does it get you cheaper tickets on a, a Sunday night, Monday and Tuesday, which, as I said before, is great, but they also have lots of competitions, and their other big thing is that they do have a large number of advanced screenings. Quite often you need to pay for these advanced screenings, but um, they're only a fiver uh, when they do them. So, for example, or this time last week, I, should, I wished I was there, but I wasn't. Um, they were doing advanced screening of Argo uh, for fiver. But I've also seen, I saw an advanced screening of Lawless a couple of weeks before it came out, which had a, a video Q&A with the director in Nick Cave afterwards. I saw an advanced screening of Shame with a video Q&A afterwards as well. And that seems to be quite... Um, quite a theme as well. I think probably once every month they do a special screening. You, you, you've got that Q&A afterwards, which is really, really good. They also shoot a lot of live events and things like that there as well. So really nice. But the Inside Card gives you discount in their restaurant because there's a restaurant and a bar there. That's a great thing. Uh, there's a bar in the cinema, really nice. Um, and it gives you money off, yeah, refreshments, uh, food, meals, that kind of thing. The Insider Card is what kind of ties you to it. But the other great thing is it's a modern cinema and it has been designed with the modern person in mind, i.e. there is actually legroom there. All the seats are very comfy and reclined and you can stretch your legs out in front of you without like kicking the person in front of you or having your knees under your chin and stuff like that. So I like it there. It's it's always, it just feels a little bit classier than than the Odeon that I go to, basically, because it's it's newer and uh, it's right in town and it's got a bar and it's nicer. Uh, and, and there's I always get less child kids there as well for some reason. I don't, I'm not quite sure what that is. Staff are always very perfectly friendly. I've never I've never had cause to have an argument with one of them, so that's rare. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I like showcase, but my, as I've said before, my main issue is that we don't have a silly world. But I'll stop boring people with that argument. <laughs> okay. Uh, I used, there used to be a, um, when I used to live in Dudley, there was a showcase which just a mm. I have to say, after Cineworld, I think they've been the best cinemas that I've been to. I, I don't know what it is. I bet that one been. wasn't even deluxe. <laughs> that wasn't a deluxe one either. No, that was no. just a standard <laughs> showcase. But it was really. <laughs> but they, they're great for the. You know, other cinemas that, I can't remember what it was. It was like a Warner Brothers one, I think, we used to go to in London. Mm. There was one in... Yeah, that, that that got taken over. That's View now. Warner Brothers. Is it a View one. now? Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're now View. Okay, that's disappointed. But the showcase, I mean, the View one, when it was Warner Brothers, used to have some kind of like sound leakage issues, and I've never encountered that in a showcase or cinema world. No, so oh, I did have a slight bit of that. Um actually, at the show, at my showcase, when I was next door to a screen showing Prometheus or Avengers, I noticed that a little bit over the summer, um, was that at a few points you would, and it's not even a sound leakage as such, it's a, it's a vibration. <laughs> it, was <laughs> almost, it was almost like, because the sound, the sound is very good in the screens. Um, yeah. I think it literally just vibrated the building rather than being a kind of standard sound leak. So, I can't complain too much, and it was quite exciting. A bit like bit in LA or something like that. <laughs> Thinking an earthquake was coming. 
Um, so yeah, Owen, um, Cineworld. Yeah, I've already talked about the unlimited card, but I yeah. mean, it, I just cannot emphasize enough. Hey, yeah, well, I've, I've just found I've news. just found out that the cinema in Weymouth is a Cineworld, which is probably a fifteen minute more drive from where I live to the cinema, which makes it forty five minutes. But mm. then mm. fifteen pound free films for the month. You know, yeah, it's like the petrol that stops yeah. me actually because I've got three Cineworlds within 20 miles. I'm, I'm in some kind of weird Bermuda Triangle where 20 miles in three different directions there's a Cineworld. There's even one in rugby. Uh, yeah, there's one in rugby, there's one in Nottingham, I think there's one in Derby as well or Peterborough or I don't know. But um, I'm right in the middle of this area one, and <laughs> there have been times where I thought Nottingham's only 20, 25 minutes drive away, but it's you've got travel time and stuff like that. Whereas at the moment, I um, I can finish work at five and be in the cinema at five past five. That's, uh, yeah, and, that's and, nice. And mine with Empire at Tower Park, there's there's free parking. So Yeah, the cinema world I go to, I mean, it's, it is the closest cinema to us, but it's still about seven miles away. But there's free parking and stuff, so it's just... Mm. And then, yeah, the, the cost of the unlimited card probably saves on petrol anyway. If I go to four films a, a month, you know, it's basically covered itself anyway, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I only went to it because it was the closest cinema, but I ended up just thinking it's the best cinema chain that I've been to. It's such a, just a really well-run, it's the Dicker Cineworld in Dicker, mm. and it's such a well-run branch, actually. I mean, we talked about how Empire replied to Steve about tweeting mm. him about the, the church, tweeting him about the church. They're, they're, they're the same, really. They respond to tweets. They're really good at getting back to you. The staff who work in the branch are really helpful. I don't think I've ever had a problem with them. The only time we've sort of had a problem is when, uh, I think it was five-year engagement that we went mm. to, or possibly the raid, where it was cutting off the top of the picture. And I had mm. to walk out the screening. No one came around to check for it, so I had to just walk around and tell them, you know, some the screen, can you come back and have a look at it? But they were fine, they sort of respond to it, they're really helpful. I'm saying they're really helpful and they're really polite and really friendly and all that as well, because I've got a mate who used to work for one. So, well done, Martin, you, you were great in the job, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're, they're really good. I, I did like the, um, the unlimited card as well. No, I mean, it's quite expensive buying like popcorn and Coke. It's about seven fifty for a popcorn and Coke. But it gives you 10% off um, anything you, you buy, you know, you, Sweets and stuff, ten percent off. They've got Ben and Jerry's at the one in Dinka as well, so that's quite good. Just going again, an ice cream. Um, I suppose the drawbacks with the sort of unlimited card, you can't pre-book with it. You, you can only go into the cinema and physically book um, a ticket with it. So basically, then, in summary, uh, Odeon not very good and expensive. Um, Cineworld. Good but expensive unless you've got your um, unlimited card and um, showcase and empire both reasonable and fairly good. Yeah. So basically, That's fair enough. That's fair. Yeah. Don't yeah, go. I definitely yeah. recommend showcase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd recommend empire if you were near it and there wasn't a cinema world with an unlimited card anywhere near it. Um, yeah. I think that's fair. <laughs> but by the sounds of it, don't go to Odeon. They're rubbish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not impressed by mine. <laughs> um, so, on to what we've been watching this week, as we've got no new release to review. 
I watched The Innkeepers um, on oh, Halloween. Ooh, ooh, I, ooh, I, I remember James watching it. I can't remember if he said it was good or bad, but I remember he watched it and it was on Netflix US, so I flicked that on. And so I didn't I didn't enjoy it, I'll be honest. It it didn't it didn't give me the, the kind of scared sleepless night I'm aiming to get on Halloween by watching a film like this. Um I just didn't feel like it built any suspense. I didn't feel like the scary bits were were meant to be scary. I didn't particularly like any of the main characters. I I just felt a bit bored by it. I mean, uh, it did genuine. Uh, I'm just gonna have to. Yeah, so I just didn't, I didn't get on with the film at all. It's just, I watched it to the end. Um, I, I, it was one of those films I didn't think were very good, but I still to wanted to watch I it do, to the end. I didn't personally like it that much myself, but it definitely scared me in a ghost story type way. Yeah, I, I just didn't get scared by it. I knew the bits that were meant to scare you. And the bits that were meant to take take you by surprise and creep you out, it just didn't have that effect with me. What what was better then, Steve? Paranormal Activity or uh, Innkeepers? Paranormal Activity four or one? Any of them. We'll go for any of them. Um, I would have said Innkeepers was probably better than Paranormal Activity four, but not better than the other three. Okay. Um, but yeah, just disappointed with. But then again, I can't remember what James said about it. I just remember he said he watched <laughs> it and I wanted to watch some film like that on Halloween yeah. um, and pick the wrong one by a mile, unfortunately. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, James, what have you watched in this last week? Okay, um, I, I, do you know what? I'm going to give you a choice of what you want me to I'll tell you what I have watched and then you tell me which you want me to expand on. I've been doing, um, I've been writing a piece on films from 1960 for the website, uh, as part of the decade in film. I've been, I've handed myself the 1960s, uh, and a couple of them I actually needed to watch a few more films. <laughs> and 1960 <laughs> was one of them. Uh, but luckily I've still got five films that I really like. Um, one of them was The Magnificent Seven. One of them was Psycho, which I actually did watch again this week and, and loved, but we've talked about Psycho enough on here. Um, so the other three that I watched this week, two of which I hadn't seen before, were uh, The Apartment, the Billy Wilder okay. yeah. comedy, um, Breathless, the Jean-Luc Godard French New Wave film, mm-hmm. and Michael Powell's Peeping Tom. So... Uh, which was a 1960s slasher film by a brilliant British director. Uh, but that one ended his career, um, unlike Hitchcock, which basically cemented his career. Which is quite interesting. A very good friend as well. But, um, yeah, which of those three would you prefer to hear about? Um, I liked all three of them. Well, which, as, which... as a quick aside, I kind of wish Jerry was here now to be able to do the impression properly, but The Magnificent Seven gave me one of my favourite Phoenix Knights quotes. Which was... Um, <laughs> In, in the quiz night episode, name the Magnificent Seven, dopey, sneezy, and bashful. <laughs> but Jerry did it so much better in his northern accent. Yeah, with his, with his lovely northern accent. Yeah. Um, I'd like to hear about The Apartment, I think. Yeah, let's the go apartment. with that then. Okay. So, yeah, The Apartment. It is the uh, Billy Wilder film who um, Billy Wilder made Like It Hot. 
he made Starlight Seventy. He made he he is one of the kind of Hollywood golden greats. Um, he also co-wrote the film as well. It stars Jack Lemmon, uh, Shirley MacLaine, and Fred McMurray, who was in Double Indemnity. I believe I think he was the husband, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about a man played by Jack Lemmon um, who rents out his apartment. He's played this man called C.C. Baxter. He's in this very huge insurance firm. He's kind of a lowly clerk, uh, but he lets his executives use his apartment um, for their adulterous ways, basically, for their girlfriends that they don't want their wives to know about. It's, it's, it's a little bit madmen in some ways, actually, at times. It's um, and What really surprised me was that because it was Billy Wilder and because it was Jack Lemon, I was expecting, and, and the basic premise is, oh, it's a man like renting out his apartment and all the kind of hijinks that come from him not being able to use his apartment. I was expecting a, a nice kind of late 50s, early 60s knockabout screwball comedy. Um, it's actually a lot, a lot darker than that and very cynical. And that was the one thing really, really surprised me about this film. Its tagline was movie-wise, there has been... Uh, there has never been anything like the apartment, love-wise, laugh-wise, or otherwise-wise, which I really like. As a, <laughs> you don't get taglines like that anymore, do you? No. Um, it, it won five Oscars. It won Best Picture uh, in 1960, I believe. So it's, um, it is a very well-respected film. It, it's on the IMDb Top 250 as well. Uh, and rightly so. It's um, about two hours long. Um, so again, that made me think, oh, maybe it's not quite screwball comedy. And I'd say the first 15, 20 minutes of it starts off with a, a lovely narration from Jack Lemon, uh, and it's narration being used in a really nice way, not to push the story along, but just to add colour uh, to the to the character and things like that, which was really nice. Uh, shows him having to use his apartment. He kind of get, uh, catches a cold because he's sat out in the rain while someone's humping a secretary in his apartment. Like I said, it's it's really, really cynical worldview. Um a lot of it reminds me of Brief Encounter, and it was only afterwards that I found out that uh, Billy Wilder wanted to make the film directly after he saw Brief Encounter in the 40s, but he was banned from making films about adultery due to the code of practice in Hollywood at the time. So he couldn't make a film about adultery. So he had to wait until 1960. And his idea was he wanted to make a film about the character that we don't see in Brief Encounter, which is the man who owns the flat that the uh, the two kind of star-crossed lovers go to in that film. Now, Jack Lemmon falls in love with um, Fran Kubelik, who is a an elevator girl, basically. She, she makes the elevator go up. I love that. Why don't we have that in real world? <laughs> yeah, in real life these days. Someone actually controlling the elevator. That would be nice. But, um, yeah, she's this... She she's wonderful, played by Shirley MacLaine, who is absolutely wonderful in this. And having watched this, I'm like, right, I need to go and find more Shirley MacLaine performances. And I was surprised to see she there's not that many, um, which which is quite surprising because she's absolutely fantastic in this. She's adorable, almost in an Audrey Hepburn esque way. She's just you just watch her on screen, um, or uh, Audrey Tato in. Emily, you, you, I'm just transfixed by her on screen because she's this wonderful character, but she's also got these fantastic eyes, which actually come to great effect later on in the film uh, as it gets far more dramatic. Because it turns out that she is having an affair with um, CeCe Baxter's big boss, uh, Jeff Sheldrake, who 
starts taking a monopoly on the apartment. So all the other executives are cut out of the loop because he's getting the apartment to to have sex with her. Jack Lemmon realises he's falling in love with her. And then on Christmas Eve, she tries to commit suicide in the apartment. And it kind of, the film takes a very dark turn. That's actually not even halfway through. And that was the moment I oh, hang on. Something very, very serious happening mm. here because she gets dumped by Sheldrake. Um, and then it becomes quite a melodramatic drama from that point, from that point onwards. But it, the characters you've already kind of really started to empathize with. So although it's melodramatic, you're really tied in because uh, the performances are fantastic. And there are still some absolutely fantastic lines, even though it's not as funny, ha ha ha, as, as I expected it to be. Um, there's still some beautifully observed lines. And there's a lot of wry smiling and stuff like that going on for me watching it rather than rolling around laughing. And there's at one point where uh, Fran says, um, you shouldn't wear mascara when you're in love with a married man. And it's just like, wow, that's a really nice line. I really like that. So um, in the end, it's not spoiling anything to say that I was, it cheered me up by the end. Um, it really dragged me down to a very low, depressing place and then cheered me up by the end. That's all I would say about it. But it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant film and very, very deservedly on my list of my five favourite films from 1960 because it's uh, one of my favourite films that I've seen this year. Yeah, I do like it as well. And I think it's easy to just think Jack Lemmon's just going to be like a clone character because in mm. some like it hot, he's just kind of a little bit goofy, isn't he? Yeah. Whereas in this, he's he's more... It's more of a drama, isn't it? There are lots of laughs, yeah. but they're, I don't think they're as perhaps clever as some of the laughs in Some Like It Hot. Um, no. But they are more frequent, and it's... Yeah. It's, and, and, and I think that, yeah, they're based in a very... Almost a real kind of personal drama that a lot of people could empathise with. I think a lot more people would, emph- you know, they can see themselves as part of this story than they would, obviously, if some like it hot, which is yeah. just comic oh, yeah, exactly. Genius. Yeah, yeah. And some of the humour just comes out of the situation, doesn't it? Rather yeah. than oh, an actual yeah. routine. So, like, I mean, a lot of it I thought was a bit Kafka esque, you know? The way he sort of yeah. with all the bureaucracy and yes. his own, flicking between his own diaries and actually what's all that's happening is he's just getting stepped on and bullied and he's just not really... Yeah, and he's just not sticking up for himself and he keeps taking the blame for things that he should... You know, and he's, yeah. he's a very, very put-upon... He's a very quiet man who doesn't want to cause a fuss and things like that. And he, it, There's a very quiet dignity about his character, but at one point you just want to shake <laughs> yeah. him by the neck and say, come on, just stand up for yourself. Yeah. Um but it's a wonderful performance. Um, Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine both got nominated but didn't win uh, acting Oscars for this. It's two absolutely fantastic central performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they really do capture art. But it's, it was really interesting to see such a cynical film being made so early. I, I, didn't, I wasn't quite aware that films had turned that cynical so early on. But then as I was writing this article, um, I actually realised, no, a number of these films are breathless, very, very cynical as a film. Um, and I really enjoyed Breathless, actually. I enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. Um, but Peeping Tom as well and Psycho. Um, it's a very horrible, cruel, cynical world that is just that little bit more believable than the film noirs of the, the 1940s, which are very kind of based in, they're still based in the world of gangsters, but this was moving that, that gangster cynicism to the world of real people with normal jobs and things like that. Yeah. And it was said, no, bad things can happen to normal people. 
and that was the first time I think that Hollywood was doing that on a on a major scale. Right, um... and oddly making it into a comedy as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah, it's one of those films that is genuinely deserves to be seen as a classic because it, it works on a lot of levels um, and I can see myself watching it a number of times over the next few years mm. just to pick up on those different levels because it is um, yeah it's just it's just a really solid you know solid there's a lot going on it's not it's it's complete opposite of a flimsy film yeah um, Owen what have you watched then uh, well, kind of like you and James, I watched some um, horror films over Halloween, but I can talk about one of two of them, because I've got two that I'd quite like to talk about. Mm-hmm. One is Dario Argento's film, Deep Red, which mm-hmm. is a Jallo film uh, from 1975. And the other one is um, Kevin Branagh's film, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from the 90s. I watched it. I- I've seen Frankenstein, so I'd like to hear hear that. Yeah. Okay. Right, Steve. Yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. I'll just say very quickly though that Deep Red is just a fantastic film, probably the best Jello film I've seen. So watch that if you like Jello. Is it on um, Love Film Instant? It's on Love Film Instant. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'll watch it then. Cool. Do that. <laughs> okay. So Frankenstein. It's di- directed by Kenneth Branagh. Um, it's co-produced by uh, Kenneth Branagh, and it stars um, Kenneth Branagh. He plays Victor Frankenstein, who. Um, as we all know, he experiments with creating life from nothing and basically it builds a monster who's played by Robert De Niro and it goes on a bit of a rampage and it causes all sorts of problems, etc., etc. We all know the story of Frankenstein. Um, but yeah, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, it, it's, it's constantly kind of vying with uh, another book, which I really love, called We, by um, a writer called Yevgeny Zamyatin. I can never really pick one of the one or the other as my sort of favourite favourite book, but Frankenstein. I was just in the mood for for something a bit like this. It was if you if you've got a HTC phone, I mm. definitely recommend the HTC Watch app because I rented this for five p, so I can't can't okay. complain. Yeah, pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, up until recently, I hadn't seen I hadn't seen this film, so I watched it for the first time this week. Couple of reasons why I hadn't seen it. First one was because I kind of expected it to be awful. Um, it didn't get fantastic reviews, although I think Mark Commode actually quite likes it. But um, yeah, I studied it when I did media studies at A level oh, um, right, as okay. part of genre. Um, so I do. Th- I think some people really like elements of it and, and the way it's. Um, it's definitely a genre piece. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the kind of drawback for me. One of the reasons I wasn't keen to watch it as well is when I sort of thought uh, Robert De Niro is playing the monster. That's a bit of an odd choice. I just really couldn't picture him in the role at all. Um, and, you know, the idea that Kevin Branagh would direct and star in it. Kevin. And I know uh, Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would direct and star in it. I know um, I watched Argo this week, which yeah. was part of the Cineworld previews, which was fantastic. Um Eastwood's done it before as well. Eastwood as well, but it's there's something slightly out. It takes big balls. It takes. Yeah, do it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I wasn't expecting a lot from it, but what it is is very faithfully adapted from the novel. It kind of changes a few little details, like doesn't use lightning to bring the 
the monster to live uses electric eels, but that's still essentially the same thing. You know, it's just using electric and stuff. But and it's got a very gothic style to it, um, which is how you always imagine the story to be when you read it. I think it's it's very it's very well done in that sense. Is it it's realistic gothic or Tim Burton gothic? Well, it, it kind of verged on it a little bit. At times, it was yeah. kind of a little bit over the top. Yeah. Um, but it never, it never got to being so ridiculous that you thought this is just a, basically a fantasy story that this guy is just <laughs> using ridiculous over the top makeup for everyone's really sort of over theatrical. So it, it, it didn't really get to that point and it didn't get to the point of being too quirky like a Tim Burton film, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I thought it, it walked the line quite well. Um, and the, the other sort of major obstacle for me though was as I expected it to be, was De Niro in makeup. Uh, it, I couldn't really watch it and see him. I mean, he, he portrays the wretch in this kind of sophisticated way. He is this tortured, soulless monster. He's born out of the arrogance of Victor Frankenstein, um, who's also quite, you know, you, you feel sort of sympathy for him at times, but he's also capable of these sort of great feats of evil. But every time you see him, you just think, oh, it's De Niro in makeup. You know, mm. I, I found it a real sort of barrier getting over that. With something like we were talking about in Looper with um, Gordon Levitt wearing, mm. you know, bit, the makeup to make him look like Bruce Willis. After a sort yeah. of five or ten minutes, I got over that and I just saw him as the character he was playing. In this, every time De Niro was on screen, I just thought, yeah, I can't, I can't get past that. He just looks like De Niro with a few scars on his face and a shaved head, which was a bit of a shame. So I think he did a good job. It's just sort of, sort of my personal view was was hindering it slightly. Um, but yeah, it was a good film. I, I have to admit, it, it was better than I was expecting. Aside from kind of a few sort of the sets looking a bit dodgy, they didn't. I don't know how much money went into the actual sets. It was obviously the um, the laboratory, which looked great. Um, mm. But then there were other bits like the house, which just looked like it was made out of cardboard. Um, and someone had got crayons and drawn on all the lines and stuff. That looked a bit strange. And it was some of the performances, as I mentioned, they weren't completely over-theatrical with, with all the, uh, you know, waving their arms about and doing all these sharp turns and looking over the shoulder kind of thing. They were slightly hammy in a way, mm. but they weren't that bad. Uh, it wasn't sort of hammer horror kind of, <laughs> kind of <laughs> levels of acting. But it was an enjoyable little film. Uh, it, it was quite a long film, about sort of two and a bit hours, but it didn't feel like it went on for two hours. I think it was that was quite well done. In it. Maybe it's just because I really love the story of Frankenstein anyway. Mm. Um, but I, I, got, I got quite into it. Um, the only thing I will say is it wasn't very fun to watch. Now, one of the, one of the things that the old sort of James Whale Frankenstein films with Boris Karloff did was that they're just really fun to watch. Um it didn't really have that style to it. It was just a very solid drama, I think, rather than being actually quite an entertaining film, if it can be such a thing. But, mm. but yeah, I mean, if I had to rewatch one or the other, I'd probably end up rewatching the old Universal films. But as an adaptation of Mary Shelley's story, I think it's one of the best styles of, of that story. Okay. Well, um, that rounds us off for this week, then. Um, James, do you want to explain to everyone what's happening next week? Um, well, what we're reviewing in the next few weeks and what's going on with Triple Bill this week? 
Yeah, so triple bill this week, believe it or not, we've been sat on one. Uh, might not have noticed we didn't release one quite recently. Uh, so triple bill this week will be our favorite, the one where I didn't explain it properly. And it's a combination of our, the films that scared us most when we were younger, the scariest moments in film that we've had, or just some scary films. But it, it was basically, yeah, scary stuff. Uh, so that's our triple bill that's going to be out on Friday. Then next week, we will be reviewing Argo as our main review. And our triple bill that week will be films about the film industry. Um, and the week after that will be a zombie special, including a report from the Day of the Undead. And the triple bill will be zombie films. So Owen's going to be in his element. Now. Oh, yes. Yeah. Owen Absolutely. might just be doing all 12. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would love to see you guys talk about a film that I haven't seen though. I'm going to find one. Yeah, I, I think I should see one or two at this uh, festival actually, which would be great. Uh, which would be interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> you've got an unlimited card. You, I've got no sympathy. No. Right. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks to Jerry, James, and Owen for joining us on the podcast. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks to Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com for the music. See you next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.